is, I believe, the personal philosophies of remarkable men and women. I'm open to uh, random Earl Morris. There is such a thing as truth. I believe in truth and in the pursuit of truth. When I was 10 years old, I asked a neighborhood kid who was older than me, which city is further west, Reno, Nevada, or Los Angeles? The correct answer is Reno, Nevada, but he was convinced it was the other way around. He was so convinced that Los Angeles was west of Reno that he was willing to bet me two bucks. So I went into the house to get my Rand McNally atlas. The kid looked at the atlas and said, this map is drawn funny. It wasn't. Was his argument that the map didn't preserve east, west, north, and south? What kind of map would that be? I showed him if you trace down the 120-degree west line of longitude, which runs almost directly through Reno, Nevada, you'll end up in the Pacific Ocean somewhere west of Los Angeles. He replied, lines of longitude don't cross the ocean. What? I told him that the lines of longitude were there to indicate how far or west or east some location was, regardless of whether it was on land or on sea. There was one insurmountable problem, however. He was bigger than me. I drew a number of conclusions from this story. There is such a thing as truth, but we often have a vested interest in ignoring it or outright denying it. Also, it's not just thinking something that makes it true. Truth is not relative. It's not subjective. It may be elusive or hidden. People may wish to disregard it, but there is such a thing as truth and the pursuit of truth. Trying to figure out what has really happened, trying to figure out how things really are. Almost 15 years ago, I stumbled in a story about an innocent man a man who'd been sentenced to die in the Huntsville, Texas electric chair. And through hard work, luck, and a certain amount of pathological obsession, I was able to make the movie The Thin Blue Line and help get him out of prison. What kept me going was the belief that there had to be answers to the question, did he do it? Was he guilty or innocent? If he didn't do it, who did? And that I could find an answer to these questions through investigation. It's not what we find truth with a big T. We investigate and sometimes we find things out and sometimes we don't. There's no way to know in advance. It's just the way we have to proceed as though there are answers to questions. We must proceed as though in principle we can find things out. And even if we can't, the alternative is unacceptable. I will never know whether the neighborhood kid really didn't understand the logic of my argument about Reno and Nevada, or whether he understood it completely and just didn't want to admit it, or whether he understood it and just didn't want to pay up. I'll never know. All I know is I never got my $2. (laughs) Earl Morris is an Academy Award-winning documentary filmmaker whose works include The Thin Blue Line and The Fog of War.
11 Lessons from the Life of Robert S. McNarma. He is also the director of critically acclaimed television program and commercials. Early in his life, Morris worked as a private detective. And now, Rick Moody, The Joy and Enthusiasm of Reading. I believe in the absolute and unlimited liberty of reading. I believe in wandering through the sacks and picking out the first thing that strikes me. I believe in choosing books based on the dust jacket. I believe in reading books because others dislike them or find them dangerous. I believe in choosing the hardest book imaginable. I believe in reading up on what others have to say about this difficult book and then making up my own mind. Part of this has to do with Mr. Buxton, who taught me Shakespeare in 10th grade. We were reading Macbeth. Mr. Buxton, was probably, who probably had better things to do, nonetheless, agreed to meet one night to go over the test lines by line, the text line by line. The first thing he did was point out the repetition of motives. For example, the reversal of things, fair is fall and fall is fair. Then there was the unsexing of Lady Macbeth and the association in the play of masculinity with violence. What Mr. Buxton didn't tell me was what the play meant. He left the conclusion to me. The situation was much the same with my religious studies teacher in 11th grade, Mr. Flounders who encouraged me to have my own relationship with the Gospels, and perhaps he quoted Jesus of Nazareth in the process. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. High school was followed by college, where I read Umberto Eco's role of the reader, in which it is said that the reader's completes the text that the text is never finished until it meets this voracious and engaged reader. The open text echo calls them in college. I read some of the great Europeans and Latin Americans, Borges and Kafka, Gannett and Beckett, Artur Prost, open text all. I may not have known why Kafka's metamorphosis is about a guy who turns into a bug, but I knew that some said cockroaches and others, Europeans, dung beetles. There are those critics, of course, who insist that there are right ways and wrong ways to read books. No doubt they arrived at those beliefs through their own adventures in the stacks. And there are important questions for philosophers of every stripe, and yet I know only what joy and enthusiasm about reading has taught me in bookstores new and used. I believe there is not now and never will be an authority who can tell me how to interpret, how to read, or how to find the pearl of literary, literary meaning in all cases. Nietzsche says, supposing truth is a woman, what then? Supposing the truth is not hard, fast, masculine, simple, direct. You could spend a lifetime thinking about this sentence and making it your own. 
In just this way, I believe in the freedom to see literature, history, truth unfolding ahead of me like a book whose spine has just now been cracked. Rick Moore, Rick Moody is a writer of short stories and novels, many of which explore disintegrating family bonds in suburban America. He lived in Long Island and co-founded the Young Lion Book Award of the New York Public Library. And in memoir, The Black Veil, Moody identifies reading as the key to development and an identity. Wow. A lot of good statements were said here. I myself would like to take a stack of books from the library, about 14 of them, take them home, and then just start chewing them from the back, the back jackets, you know, in conclusion. I always like to say and read, you know, in a nutshell, and everything is in conclusion. And if it got my interest, then I would read the whole book. And that happens a lot. I did that in other libraries. I pick out a bunch of books, bring them home. Or I sit there in the library and sift through them. I used to like to go to uh, used bookstores, veteran stores, and and pick out all the prayers, uh, all the little books on prayer, a dime a piece. And for a dollar, two bucks, you'd come home with bags full of books. What a deal. I remember yard sales. I always ask him, you got any books? You got any books? Bring out the books. And one time this lady had about seven or eight big 1900 turn of the century Bibles. You know, they're big coffee table Bibles. I mean, big ones. And then I asked her, I said, how much for the word of God? And she looked at me startled. They were all stacked up. And she goes, how can you put a monetary value on the word of God? You can have them all free. I took them all. And I gave them out to other people that are interested in Bibles. So I have had a big relationship with reading ever since I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in an Alcoholic Anonymous meeting in the parking lot two hours after it closed. I have been attending for a few months and ran into an old buddy that, that I didn't recognize. He recognized me. And he was all cleaned up. And he told me to take on Jesus and you'll be able to whip the devil alcohol. I had nothing to lose. As a matter of fact, I had nothing to lose. I was. I said, what do I have to lose? I said to myself, I tried everything else. And that was the very thing that I hadn't tried. To say, yes, I accept the cross. I accept Jesus dying on the cross. I accept it. And then from there, I got a voracious appetite to read. Read, 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 read. <laughs> and still to this day, my biggest problem was is always housing books, VHSs, cassette tapes, DVDs, all kinds. And to this day, I still have the same. It always plagues me. I have given my library away to good causes to a couple of two, three times, and the books always come back. No matter how you give one away, you get four or five back. Start getting books in the mail. People start giving you books. Books, books, books. I love books.
that was a good story. And that's how I ended up uh, with the Prisoner Praise book. I was in a in a bookstore and I picked a bunch of books and I, I Prisoner Praise book happened to be in there. I read it. I did the exercises. It worked. I said, "Thank God for difficulties. Thank God we don't have something." And things started to appear right away. Started to appear, you know, good situations. So. I'm about 10,000 books I have bought of that little book I bought at a Venice thrift store for 10 cents. And I have just passed the 10,000 mark of duplicating that book and giving it out. True story, folks. I have 900 right now I'm passing out. And I get done with this batch, we'll go get another 1,000. Talk to you later. God bless you. The movie is on YouTube for free called Prison to Praise. Buy the book.